0: do Deva su Devaya Bhagave Namam Bhagavate Vasudevaya
1: Anam Bhagave
0: Sudevaya Let's recite together Narayanamas Krishna Naramcha Narottaman Devan Sadasindasam Pato Jayamuti Rashi.
2: Okay. I know the microphone needs to be near me, but I'm also short, so I want to be able to see my screen. The challenges in material life for those of us that are short-bodied. So... Uh, we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto Three, Chapter Five, verses thirty and thirty-one. We have two verses, so we'll do repetition for the first, and then we'll just read the second one together. If that's okay. So. Aham <laughs> tad Vaikārikascha jeva deva Artābya jev vanjanam jataha Ahantādvar bhikurvanān Mano vaikārikād abhūt Vaikārikascha jeva deva Arta jataha. Please chant. synonyms ahamkatvat, aham from the principle of false ego from the of Vikurvanat by, by transformation manaha, manaha the mind vaikarikat by, by, by the interaction with the mode of goodness
3: by interaction with the mode of goodness
2: abut, abut, generated Vaikarikaha By interaction with goodness By interaction with goodness
3: Cha, Cha. Also,
2: also. yay Ye. Ye All these, All these. Devaha Devaha Demigods Artha The phenomena The phenomena. Abhivyanjanam. Abhivyanjanam Physical knowledge, Physical knowledge. Jataha. Jataha The source Translation by his divine grace Sri Prabhupada The false ego is transformed into mind by interaction with the mode of goodness all the demigods who control the phenomenal world are also products of the same principle namely the interaction of false ego and the mode of goodness please repeat after me The false ego is transformed into mind, the
1: false ego is transformed into
2: mind. by interaction with the mode of goodness all the, the all the demigods who control the phenomenal world are also products of the same principle.
1: The same principle.
2: Namely, the Namely, the interaction of false ego and
3: the mode of goodness.
2: And the mode of goodness. So we have a short purport. False ego interacting with the different modes of material nature is the source of all materials in the phenomenal world. And then, like, as I said, the second verse is very short and sweet, so if we can read it together, that would be great. <laughs> That's it? Uh, so we won't do word-for-word word just because it's so short. We'll go into the translation. The senses are certainly products of the mode of passion and false ego. And therefore, philosophical speculative knowledge and fruitive activities are predominantly products of the mode of passion. So let's repeat this all together, please. The senses are certainly products of the mode of passion and false ego. And therefore, philosophical speculative knowledge and fruitive activities are predominantly products of the mode of passion. And we have a nice long short book here from sure, Prabhupada. Thank you, Prabhupada. the chief function of the false ego is godlessness. When a person forgets his constitutional position as an eternally subordinate part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and wants to be happy independently, he functions in mainly two ways. He first attempts to act fruitively for personal gain or sense gratification. And after attempting such fruitive activities for a considerable time, when he is frustrated, he becomes a philosophical speculator and thinks himself to be on the same level as God. This false idea of becoming one with the Lord is the last snare of the illusory energy, which traps a living entity into the bondage of forgetfulness under the spell of false ego. The best means of liberation from the clutches of false ego is to give up the habit of philosophical speculation regarding the absolute truth. One should know definitely that the absolute truth is never realized by philosophical speculations of the imperfect, egoistic person. The absolute truth, or the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is realized by hearing about him in all submission and love from a bona fide authority who is a representative of the 12 great authorities mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavan. By such an attempt only can one conquer the illusory energy of the Lord, although for others she is unsurpassable, as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, 714. Omagyanati Mirandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Shakshudum Militam Yena Tasma Shri gurave Namaha Namam Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishna Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swami Itinam Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pushadine Nirvisheshushun Yavari Pashyatag Sutadine Panchakalpa tarudhyascha, Pripasandhu, Vyayavacha, Patitanam, Pavanevyo, Vaishnavavayo, Namo, Namaha, Shri Krishna, Chaitanya, Prabhu, Nityananda, Shri Advaita, Gadarha, Shri Vasudhi, Gauravakta, Vrinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Krishna Hare, 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 Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Rama Hare, Hare. Dear devotees, I humbly ask for your blessings of every single one of you in this room and those of you who are watching virtually on YouTube. Please may I speak in this class in a way that glorifies God and inspires myself and others to serve Guru and Radha and Krishna. Okay. So, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to serve all of you. Um, I feel humbled, which is good. You should feel humbled when you're on the vyasa Sun, I think. (laughs) So the two main points that I want to discuss today are the issues that are discussed in these two verses. So the two main issues that I found were false ego and forgetfulness. And then I would like to finish with some positives, because it's always nice to finish with something positive, which are the solutions, which are submission with love and devotional service. So why did I pick these uh, points? Well, right there in the purport of verse 31, Prabhupada so beautifully illustrates the whole key thing that is forgetting, right? He says, we forget that we are part and parcel of Krishna. We forget that seeking our happiness away from him is not possible, true happiness that is, right? Forgetting that working for our own pleasure instead of his, is not the true goal in life. And worst of all, we forget that we are not in control of anything, we are not God. And all this is false ego, right? So Prabhupada just keeps bringing it home again and again. And why does he keep saying that? Uh, what's the word that we're talking about right now? Because we forget, yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, I know that in my personal experience, when I am feeling very anxious or nervous, it's usually because I forget that I am not in control, right? I can prepare as much as I can, I can do as much as I can, and then finally I have to let it go, and let go and let God, as they say, right? So just let Krishna do it. So what are some, some Shastra or some things from Srila Prabhupada that support this that I was able to find? I love searching through VedaBase. I don't know if anybody else is a database geek. No? Nobody else? Okay. <laughs> well, I love database. And in the Bhagavad Gita intro, uh, Sri Prabhupada says, when we are materially contaminated, we are called conditioned. False consciousness is exhibited under the impression that I am a product of material nature. This is called false ego. So again, uh, Sri Aparapad gives us another way to understand false ego. Understanding it within this quote that we are not a product of material nature. Life comes from, yeah, sorry, I had to do that because with Bhakti, Bhakti Swami Maharaj here, you know, I love when he makes people have to guess what the next word is, so <laughs> I was inspired by those cousins, but we we're not, we're not going to do it the whole time because I can't, I can't imitate, but that's just an honor. So we are spirit souls who are temporarily inhabiting material bodies, and these are basic principles that Sri Prabhupada keeps reinforcing, why? Because we keep forgetting it right so we have that theme that's going on why are these things told to us again and again because we forget them why because we're conditioned right by the material nature and that's okay we can have compassion for ourselves and for others because of that so another uh place where i found a really beautiful support to this by shirpa upad is in bhagavad gita 3.27 both in the verse and in the purport So the verse is, the translation is, the spirit soul, bewildered by the influence of false ego, thinks himself the doer of activities that are in actuality carried out by the three modes of material nature. The person in false ego takes all credit for doing everything independently, and that is the symptom of his nescience. So why did I want to include these quotes? Um, well, the first part of it is that reinforcing that we're not the doers, right? So as I mentioned, we, we need to let go of that ego, like I'm the one that's doing everything, no. I mean, even just me being here, as I said, like it's only by Krishna's mercy, right? Uh, some of you who don't know me, less than, what? Less than four months ago, three months ago, I was bedridden, right? I had suffered a, a horrible injury where I just could not even get up to, to go up to the bathroom, right? And it was only by Krishna's mercy and the prayer of the Vaishnavas and beautiful kind of moving forward of things that I was able to heal enough to be here today, right? So it wasn't it wasn't my part. I did my part, right? Like if they say, you know, God can move mountains, but you have to bring your shovel, right? So I did my part. I did my exercises, but really it was Krishna. And we forget that we're... we're kind of brought down by these three gunas, right? Ignorance, passion, and the mode of goodness. They affect our thoughts, they affect our speech, they affect our actions. And he is really reinforcing, Sri Aparapad, that under false ego we forget about Krishna. I was hearing a class where somebody said that the worst punishment that we can incur as conditioned souls is to forget Krishna. And that That really hit me in my heart, right? We forget about Krishna, and not only do we forget about him, but we take credit for everything in our lives. We forget to thank him for everything. I've heard that most people only remember God to blame him for what is going on wrong. But when things go right, we're quick to take credit for it, right? (laughs) Everything's great because I did it. So thats I think it's a really important thing for us to remember that. Another uh, verse from Sri Pad that I thought really reinforced this was in Bhagavad Gita. And I always like to go back to Bhagavad Gita because that's where it all started for me, right? If it weren't for Bhagavad Gita and me getting to go to classes at 26 Second Avenue, which at the time I didn't even know that it was this holy dumb, like beautiful place. I just got to have that mercy unbeknownst. If it weren't for the Bhagavad Gita, I wouldn't be here. So in Bhagavad Gita 13, uh, 8 through 12 in the purport. Prabhupada says, false ego means accepting this body as oneself. When one understands that he is not his body and his spirit soul, and is spirit soul, he comes to his real ego. There are some philosophers who say we should give up our ego. But we cannot give up our ego because ego means identity. We ought, of course, to give up the false identification with this body. So again, this quote so beautifully reinforces Sri Prabhupada's message that he kept repeating, we are not this body. Literally had to keep reminding myself that when I was bedridden, and in like level nine, 10 pain every single day. Just in between mahamantras, just being like, I'm not this body, I'm not this body, I'm not this body, right? So why do we have to keep saying that to ourselves? Because we forget it, we forget it. We forget that we are spirit souls, we, we forget that there are spirit souls all around us. We forget seeing each other as spirit souls, right? This is why we have so much discrimination going on in the material world right now, where people are judged by the color of their skin, by their sex, or even if they're in human bodies versus animal bodies, right? Oh, if you're in an animal body, that means that we can kill you and eat your flesh. Can't do that if you're in a human body. So do you mean? Like, that's... That's that realization. So it's a really strong point that false ego is forgetting ourselves, um, our true nature, and instead just accepting ourselves as our bodies. So there's, even though I was trying to smile through it and like bring it into an engaging way, these are really heavy truths, right? False ego and forgetfulness. And I know that both of these ideas could be classes in themselves. However, you know, since we don't have time for that and I want to kind of move on to, what are the solutions, right? So let's just uh, go into a beautiful quote that I wanted to share. And uh, just an honor of being able to give class here amongst so many um, Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis who are disciples of Srila Prabhupada. I was reading a book by your god sister, Vishaka Devi Prabhu And she wrote a beautiful book called Harmony and the Bhagavad Gita, Lessons from a Life-Changing Move to the Wilderness. And it's a little bit long, this quote, so just bear with me and and listen because as many of you know who have met her she's quite a poet and the way that she writes things are just so beautifully done so she says, ultimately all of us, all jiva atmans have one father, God as members of his extensive family we are magnificently one, at the same time because each of us each jiva atma is singular, inimitable individual, this family is beautifully diverse. Each Jiva Atma has a personal, unique, life-giving, reciprocally affectionate relationship with God and with other Jiva Atmas. The whole world becomes more interesting when, without expectations, we are well-wishers of other Jiva Atmas. And when we receive with joy whatever good wishes they give us, But even if another's affection for us is lacking, we can still remain an affectionate well-wisher of that person. Affection for the Jiva Atma, the spiritual soul, is in itself spiritual and sacred. Love and affection create a unity whose embrace overlooks differences. And it's this love and affection, reciprocated or not, that completes me, and makes irrelevant the empty proposals of nihilism, fanaticism, terrorism, racism, enmity, and bias. Affection transcends this harmony, and affection creates harmony. So, uh, moving on to what are the solutions, right? We've heard what is going on wrong, we are forgetting, we are involved in the false ego, but what are the solutions? So, in uh, the purport of verse 31, again, Prabhupada says, the solution right there, very clearly, the absolute truth of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is realized by hearing about him in all submission and love from a bona fide authority. So the key thing here is hearing with submission and love from a bona fide authority. And and we do that every day, right? Because we're listening to the Srimad Bhagavatam every day, and our bona fide authority is Srila Prabhupada, right? Srila Prabhupada and other teachers in our Sampradaya who are going by what has been taught before and before and before, right? So now the free will and the personalism comes from our choices. Are we listening with submission and love? Can we submit to Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, our ever-well-wisher who loves us more than all the mothers that we've ever had in all previous lifetimes that our soul has traveled, in bodies. I mean, if you really let that sink in, and I'm tr- really trying not to cry during this class, but it really hits you how much Krishna loves us. Okay, so. Let's unpack this further again with some more Shastra. And like I said, let's go back to the Bhagavad Gita. So in Bhagavad Gita 2.71, or 271, sorry, in the Purport, Prabhupada says, to understand one's actual position as the internal servitor of Krishna without falsely claiming this material body to be oneself and without falsely claiming proprietorship over anything in the world is the perfect stage of Krishna consciousness. So why do I share this? So, to make it a little bit personal, since a lot of you don't know me, I think (laughs) the only ones that maybe know me here are Sukhita Prabhu and my husband, Paul Prabhu. So, just so you can get to know me a little bit. When I first came to Krishna Consciousness, way back when, in uh, January 2015, which wasn't really that long ago, which also blows my mind how merciful Krishna is, there's no way back then that I thought I would be doing this right now, this service. Like, if you would have told me, I would have been like, ha, and then I would have left 26 Second Avenue. But anyway, that's besides that. So when I went to classes at 26 Second Avenue, and I was listening to the Bhagavad Gita, the words submit and submission came up a lot, a lot. Not only in the verses, but also in the devotees that I was interacting with. They were constantly telling me, submit to Krishna, submit to Krishna, submit to Krishna. And I didn't even know who Krishna was. Like, literally did not have a clue. I knew that Krishna was God, but I didn't know what, like, what, who was he? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I had this idea. I grew up Catholic, so that's the idea that I had. I didn't know about our beautiful, beautiful, sweet blue boy, Krishna. So I had a really hard time in the beginning. But the more that I started to get to know Krishna, the more that I learned about him, and then I learned about my true position as a servant to Krishna and not only understanding Krishna's opulences and great powers, but most importantly, his love for me. Once I understood how much Krishna loves me, then I had no trouble with the words submit and submission, right? Because when someone loves you so much and is your ever well-wisher, how can you not submit to them? You know they will always take care of you and you can serve them beautifully. And um, again, going back to Bhagavad Gita in 714 in the purport, Prabhupada, and I know that we're not gonna have too much more time, so I'm not going to keep quoting it, but just to paraphrase, Prabhupada is talking about how a man or a person who is bound by their hands and feet, they cannot free themselves, right? So only someone who is unbound can free that person. And how does that happen? It's because Krishna, Lord Krishna, he sends his representative, who is who? The spiritual master, right? The spiritual teacher who, with their superior help and through devotional service, they can help that person be released from material nature. And I I share this because, again, speaking from personal experience, I had a really hard time uh, realizing that I was going to need other people's help in connecting to Krishna, right? Right? I was coming from a space of like, I can do it. I'll figure it out myself, right? Like, don't you tell me what to do. What? I have to chant rounds? No, right? So I was like in that space. Thankfully, it didn't last long. By Krishna's mercy, (laughs) it didn't last long. But I I was in that space. I was like, no, no, no. I want to figure it out on my own. However, when I started reading the Bhagavad Gita, I started interacting with the devotees. I understood that I couldn't do it myself because I was bound by material energy. Not only was I bound, at the time I didn't even understand the different modes of material energy. So I didn't even understand how I was bound. So how could I hope to free myself and free my heart to love Krishna if I didn't even know that, if I was bound? So I needed and I wanted the help of the Vaishnavas at that point, thankfully, Hare Krishna. And especially by the rescue of Spiritual teacher right who can guide me in devotional service, and it's only It's only through the mercy of guru that I am here today doing this service because I'm sure as many of you have guessed I was terrified out of my mind coming here uh, And if it weren't for the fact that I knew that Sukhla Prabhu and my husband Paul Prabhu were here And they were gonna let me run out of that room out of this temple room then I might have But then I also thought, I have to do this for Guru. I have to do this for Guru. because How can I thank Guru if not by doing that which I fear the most? That's that's all I have to say for that. Like, if it weren't for Guru, then I wouldn't have been able to to rediscover my loving relationship with Krishna and continue to try to grow it every day. And uh, another beautiful quote, and this one I'll quote directly from Shri Prabhupada in his purport to 259. And the reason why I keep saying the numbers is because I don't know if anybody else is like a geek like me, but whenever I'm listening to classes, I I always want to know like what verses everyone's quoting. So now you know, like, this is what's going to (laughs) happen. If I have the mercy of giving another class, I always like to say the numbers because I like to be able to look it up before, again. So in 259 in the purport, Prabhupada says, One who has tasted the beauty of the Supreme Lord Krishna in the course of his advancement in Krishna consciousness no longer has a taste for dead material things. I share this because I want to encourage our hope. The more we taste the beauty of the Lord, the more we connect everything to him. And then it's easier to keep going for that higher taste, as Sri Prabhupada said. Why is that important? Because... Without hope, how can we keep going further? Um, as I shared from my personal example, I was bedridden, I had a horrible injury with my back, and I wasn't able to get up. And it was really hard to have hope. It was really hard to have hope, but thankfully, my husband kept uh, repeating to me, this all is temporary, right? You are not this material body, and this is temporary. So that was my hope at that point but also later on just knowing like if if i can keep going and and i prayed to krishna i was like krishna if you can heal this then i promise i'll keep trying to do more service even if i'm afraid oh boy do not pray to krishna because he will answer very quickly i had no expectation this is what he was going to send my way so my husband always says, he's like, I have, I'm, he's always very careful about what he prays to Krishna because he's like, I've seen what he's done with you, right? <laughs> so, so I want to be careful. Uh, yeah, but it, it is hope given, right? Because Krishna, when we pray to Krishna, he may not give you what you want, but he's going to give you what you need, right? And then in the, the teachings of Lord Chaitanya, in the introduction, and this I'll paraphrase because it's a long quote, but... Prabhupada is talking, uh, he's quoting Srila Rupa Goswami. And Srila Rupa Goswami is being asked, like, how can we remain uncontaminated in this world? How can we do that? If we're, we have to, if we're have to interact with this world. And he says, if we simply go about what we're doing when our ambition is to serve Krishna. If at every moment we're saying, how can I serve? How can I serve? And he says, if we use everything uh, in the service of Krishna, if we simply speak to other people about Krishna consciousness, we are rendering service, right? If we put our mind, our senses, our speech, our money, our energies, are all engaged in the service of Krishna, then we're no longer a material nature. Other people may think we are and may see us, and again, we'll forget and then we'll go back and forth, right? But in that moment, we're in Krishna consciousness and we can really transcend the platform of material nature. And the reason why I share this is because the beauty of Krishna consciousness, the beauty of bhakti, is that ultimately, it's so practical. It's simple for the simple, as Srila Prabhupada has said, and complicated for the complicated. Exactly. So, we can be in this material world and not be contaminated, by it if we go around asking ourselves in every moment, how can I serve you, Krishna? And from my personal experience, it's even, I wouldn't say better, but it it's definitely yields more results if you're doing it in the worst moments of your life. When you're really, really having that pain, either emotional, physical, wherever you're having challenge, and you say, how can I serve you, Krishna? And I love how simple it is that even if you just talk to someone about Krishna consciousness. So uh, my, my husband and I, we do, uh, we do self-prasadam distribution. I don't know if anybody else does self-prasadam distribution. So there's a, a vegan potluck that we go once a month. And uh, sometimes we're the only devotees there. Sometimes there's other devotees there. But for the most part, it's, it's people who know nothing about Krishna. And we always bring prasadam, of course, to distribute. And people may know that it's prasadam, or they may not, but they're getting that mercy. And it could just be as simple as that. So, and sometimes, uh, you know, especially my husband, he loves wearing t-shirts with like either Jagannath or Lord Nisimhadev, and that will always bring up a conversation, and then somebody will ask, uh, and then we'll be able to talk about Krishna. Not in a, a really heavy way, but just like they ask us. Like, literally, Krishna gives us the opportunity to do that service. We're not even pushing it on anyone. So, again, to bring it back, it's that, it's that submission, submitting to Krishna's will, and uh, recognizing our sacred smallness. As Rukmini Prabhu always likes to say, uh, she always says, let's recognize our sacred smallness. And recognizing it and saying how wonderful is Krishna. Can can you say it all with me because I feel like that has to be said. How wonderful is Krishna. Right? How wonderful is Krishna. That we are so so small. We are so conditioned and he still loves us so much. How can I ever thank him or my spiritual teachers except with loving submission, and devotional service. And, uh, and as a disclaimer, again, I keep coming back to this word submission because I, I also attend, so I listen to this class usually on YouTube, and uh, and I also attend daily a Zoom class, a Srimad Bhagavatam class with the Bhakti Center in New York City, which is where my husband and I originally are from. And when the word submission comes up, a lot of the new people get really, really uh, triggered by it. They have a really hard time with it. They say, oh, it has tones of abuse and war, or they feel like it's someone being forced to do something. So I I bring this up because I know a lot of them in their support of me are maybe listening to this class. And I think it's also important for us to unpack these words that create those kind of negative uh, reactions in people because we know that it's coming not from that space. And that remind ourselves that there's no abuse, there's no being forced to do something when it comes to the Lord, right? Because love requires free will, right? Krishna does not want robots. Krishna does not want minds as slaves, right? He wants us to choose to serve Him. He wants us to choose to love Him, right? And when we were having this class in the Bhakti Center, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam class, someone beautifully gave the example of thinking of submission as a child submitting to a loving parent. Right? When, when we are a child and we know that our parent loves us so much and will always care for us, how easy is it for us to just lift up our arms and say, carry, carry me. I trust you. I love you. So if we think of that word submission in that sense, and we think of Krishna in that sense, then we can very easily lovingly submit and serve with devotion the Lord. So to wrap things up, because I definitely want to leave room to hear from all of you beautiful Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis, uh, I wanted to share, again, in honor of being in this August <laughs> assembly, uh, one of your god sisters, Pranata Kamtoy she wrote a... Um, writing for this beautiful poetry book called Bhakti Blossoms, a collection of contemporary Vaishnavi poetry. And I felt like we couldn't finish the class without bringing up Radha. And I wanted to read her quote about Radha. Radha's supreme example demonstrates the most magical aspect of Bhakti. How giving becomes receiving when we offer our love to the perfect object of love, our supreme source. Radha is the emblem of a perfect giver. No matter how much she gives, she is never depleted, but remains always blossomingly brilliantly in the highest ecstasy, ever displaying the perfection of giving to the fully capable object of love. By engaging one's heart, mind, body, and words in the service of Krishna, we will never be drained, reduced, or depreciated. He is ever grateful generous sweet and responds with utmost attention to each of us individual souls according to how we love him Radha entreats us to experience this for ourselves so to recap dear devotees we talked about the solutions to our false ego and forgetfulness which is listening to the lord with loving submission and devotional service to krishna with love choosing love And ultimately, it comes down to listening, loving, submitting, devotional service, and not to end it like a song, but love, love, love. So again, Vanchika, Opeturubhya, Chaka, Krupa, Sindhubya, Evacha, Petitanam, Pavanavyo, Vaishnavavyo, Namo, Namaha. I offer my respectful obeisances unto all the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord. They can fulfill the desires of everyone, just like desire trees. They are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. So please, what are your takeaways, questions, I will do my best, comments, or corrections? I welcome them, thank you again.
4: Thank you so much, Dhammadar Priya. Here I am. am. (laughs) (laughs) Really, you're just uh, effervescent. (laughs) Really very, very nice, thank you for um, taking oh. that step.
2: Oh, I can, now I can see you. Sorry, I need oh. my glasses for this, but I only just need to <laughs> uh,
4: But I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do, how do we strike a balance between uh, letting go and let God and God helps those who help themselves? You know what I mean? There's do, one in that mood of, I'm not the doer, Christian's the doer, so... Why do I have to, you know, do I have to do anything? Want to comment I, on that?
2: Yeah, no, I think that's a great question because I've asked that many a time to both my spiritual teacher and I, I think I'm one of those annoying people that attention to Bhagavatam classes and um, like to get the same, like I'll ask the same question to different teachers just to see like if I can get a different kind of angle on it. So I've asked that many times. And... Um, What I've heard is it all comes down to discernment. It all comes down to discernment, and it also comes to us having sage counsel, right? And when, and being able to surround ourselves by devotees who we trust that can always offer us their advice as to when when we've reached our limit of what we can do, right? And I don't know if this is exactly answering your question, but that's what I've been told when I've asked. And also just knowing that really Krishna wants us to try. Really Krishna wants us to try. And just like I, so my background is as a teacher. I've, in this lifetime, I've never had the privilege of having um, human children. I do have some spirit souls and dog bodies at home. (laughs) who we left listening to the Maha Mantra. But I know that as a teacher, uh, even though I knew that I was fully capable of doing everything myself, right? I know the alphabet. I know how to do arithmetic and all these things. I always appreciated when my students made that effort to try or when they wanted to help. And then I knew as a teacher when they were at their limit. Right? It was, it's called, in teaching it's called scaffolding when you know, okay, that child has reached their limit if they go any further then it's going to be frustration so Krishna knows that and sometimes if we don't have a way to hear Krishna in our heart, then he'll work through the people around us Right, either guru or our very close friends or other devotees that, or sometimes just random people right? <laughs> Krishna will work through random people so we do our best and then Krishna will meet us at that point uh, before we get frustrated if we're open to it. Does that help at all? Absolutely. Oh, okay, thank you, Krishna. Um, anybody else? Yes, Oh, sorry.
5: So thank you for being so clear on those main points you know, about love and submission. I was, I've been reading uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita and the talks between our Chaitanya and Roland Roy, which is just so beautiful, I think I'll have to read it again when I'm done with that section. but just reading how the the gopis that they they would rather serve Krishna and and, and make arrangements for Radha you know to be with Krishna rather than themselves be with Krishna and Radha actually also enjoyed making arrangements for the gopis, mm. you know, to be, to be with Krishna. So just that uniting, you know, uniting someone else with Krishna was like their highest pleasure. Mm. So I was thinking, like, for ourselves when, we're, when you're doing your prasadam distribution and, and when we're going out and we're trying to, you know, connect people in that mood, you know, that it's so pleasing to Krishna to try to unite people with the Supreme Person of Godhead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really, I really love that. And One other thing that I, I wanted to mention, you know, somehow I was teaching a Dr. Schuster curse um, to some women in my court, and we ha- had them like illustrate uh, a verse, you know, or a, a concept. Mm-hmm. So one of the concepts was that idea of if people, someone that's bound, they can't have, they can't help someone else who's bound. Mm-hmm. There has to be someone who's unbound and helps. Yeah. So the way this group illustrated it, maybe let's say there's five people in the group, so four of them had their arms you know, straight down to their sides and they were rolling on the ground. And they were trying to help each other become unbound, but of course that was impossible. But it was so funny to see it. We were just all laughing. And then finally the, the fifth person came that we grew
2: and was able to them, was becoming, um, oh. okay. Just be warned that I'm going to use that in the future. <laughs> I love that example. Thank you, Sukhita Prabhu. So and thank you again, because if it weren't for Sukhita Prabhu, um, yeah, sharing the classes that I did for the Bhakti Center with Mukya Prabhu, then I would not be able to do the service today for all of you, so thank you. She always believes in me. <laughs> yes?
6: Uh, (coughs) In the purport of this text 32 which is covered 31 first point of course is the five sigas considering that I am the God and this body
1: Mm -hmm.
6: (coughs) so then Srila Prabhupada is writing here that there are two things one is the he starts with fruity activities. person starts, then he says that when the person is frustrated with fruity activities because fruity activities means gain something. I'm doing this business with a profit. Is I'm working, so I'm going to get money at the end of, of, of the weekend for my sense of whatever will I to maintain? But then he is writing that the, when the person is frustrated with routine activities, he says he, he becomes a philosophical speculator. Now, the philosophical speculator means that <coughs> ultimately that I am God, that is the last name of mine. So the question is, I am trying to understand this clearly, because usually, when a person is uh, in fruit it is when he he's, he's, he's really gaining something. He gains power, he gains money, he gains property, he gains everything. Then he wants to think and he is able to, he thinks I am the doer because he gains everything. Uh-huh. He gain everything Then he thinks that well, I am the doer and I am the Lord. So I don't I don't understand here, because here it says that when he's frustrated with interactives, then he becomes philosophical, and, mm.
1: and
6: philosophical, things of his God.
1: Mm.
6: I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit confused in, in this uh, purport.
2: Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And just to make sure that I understood your question correctly, so what I heard you say is that in the purport, Prabhupada's saying that Someone thinks that they're the doer because they gain so many things from their fruitive activities. However, because they become frustrated with the fruitive activities and the material gains, then they become philosophic, you know, like philosophic, and they think that they're God. Is that correct? Like, how well, could that too, Like, what's the paradox? Usually,
6: when, when you perform performing activities,
2: mm-hmm.
6: anything, business, yeah. job, whatever you do,
2: yeah. corporate
6: and labor, then to become rich, you have everything. Everything you have, everything you have, right? Material. So then, and the everybody, everybody is working under you. Yeah. So you, for, there can be possibly thinking that I'm God.
2: But there's so many examples of that. In but real how life is right it now. that,
6: it, how is that he's frustrated from puberty? Yeah. Then he comes to philosophical speculation and then thinks things on the guard, so how is that?
2: So the way that I understood it, and if everybody else has a different way to, to hear it, please let me know, but the way that I understood that when I read it, is that uh, you can gain all these things, but you become, it's, um, you can't, you get so much greed. Like the greed just grows and grows and grows, and your ego grows with what you gain. So as the false ego grows, because I have all these things, I have all these things, they get frustrated because it's never enough, right? It's like a bottomless hole, they can't fill it. And I I mean, I know that I try not to read the news and stuff because it's just so negative, but I've, I've personally seen examples of people in real life who are billionaires who are going about, and I'm not going to name names, but who go about thinking, pretty much acting like they're God, like they think they're God, they think that they can, you know, do all these things that they probably can't do and they, they, they get to that point from what I've seen just because they, the greed just overpowers them and they nothing satisfies them. Nothing satisfies them. They could have billions of dollars and they're not satisfied. Why? Because what's missing is, is Krishna. They don't have... They've been doing all these things for feeding their false ego which is a bottomless hole as opposed to... You could be a billionaire, but if you've done it in the service of Krishna and you're using it to do devotional service with it, then, then you won't get frustrated. And you won't think that you're God because you know who God is. So you're doing it all for who you know God is, which is Krishna. Does that make help at all? I don't know if that answers your question. It makes some sense. Just makes some sense. <laughs> Does anybody else have something to support that? I really would appreciate it. Again, that was my understanding, but I'd love to hear other people, how they understood that. Thank you so much.
7: Thanks for such an enlivening class. I had my comment on my own, but as Bhadra Prabhu was asking his question, the first thing that came in my mind, just came in, was that Aesop's fable about sour grapes. The Mm. fox that was trying and trying and trying, but he could never reach them. So that's like the materialist trying and work worker, trying and trying, and frustrated. And then he ends up saying, oh wow, those grapes were sour anyway. So we may not see it in one lifetime, but prophets saying repeatedly trying. Mm-hmm. So repeatedly, birth after birth after birth, trying to get ahead, get ahead, and then always frustrated. Oh, actually, there's no point in trying to enjoy this material world. It's all illusion. It's all Maya. This is the viewpoint of the impersonalists, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a little bit like the fox that was frustrated, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I thought of. And then um, when you were describing the billionaire that can never be satisfied, I was remembering some famous person, and not sure who it was, but. Um, in our recent history, said everyone should have a chance to become rich and famous so that they can see that's not what brings happiness. Yes. 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 So not everybody gets that chance,
2: but um, it would be, as you were saying, it's frustrating, even if you do get it. Mm -hmm. And we saw the example of one of the well-wishers of the Hare Krishna movement, George Harrison, right? He had everything at one point, and he realized this was not going to help him, and it was not enough, and he, he gave, up, gave it all up. Well, he didn't give it up, but he, he offered it to Krishna, and he offered it to Sri Yeah.
4: Um, also, uh, the food of worker is in pursuit of happiness, ultimately, mm. but because nothing can fill the God hole in the heart, but God, yes. until they come to that, and then they go through the path of Philosophical, you know, and um, rejecting the material world as Maya, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. But but until they really latch onto the path of Bhakti, devotion mm. to God, they will not find happiness. Yes.
2: Yeah. Thank you. When I was talking about the false ego being like this bottomless hole, I I was missing that God hole. <laughs> yeah. Thank you.
8: Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Now, thank you very much. You could see we have lots of realization. I spoke from them, so it's very convincing. Thank you. I was saying, um, thinking that lots of people have problem with um, submi- surrendering to Krishna because they don't know who he is. In the material world or experiences, we surrender to this person, whether it's a husband or a wife or children or mm-hmm. whatever the situation, and it's always ending you know, in not complete happiness or frustration or whatever. So that's why it's very important to understand who Krishna is. That's why we have Cantor telling us who Krishna is. When you find out how he's so beautiful, what a beautiful, how much he loves us, then of course you want to surrender. Where else is to a person like that? Mm-hmm. So sometimes when we get in new people, we don't preach surrender, surrender. We want to tell them who Krishna mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And I mean we tell them, you say, Oh yeah, I wanna know more about this person. Who yeah. is this person? Yeah. So then, surrender will come naturally, mm-hmm. or, or at least they'll want to, you know, surrender because oh my God, he owns the world, he loves me, he's this person. Sure, who doesn't want Krishna to be their best friend? Mm-hmm. He's already our best friend, but we mm-hmm. don't know it. So when you get to know them, because our whole religion is based on relationship. Yeah. you know, we can go around, And so many people die every day; it doesn't matter. But when our friend, we have a relationship that dies, then you know we feel that. So Krishna for most people, they don't know who he is. They see it, oh God, you know, he's powerful and he's great. What, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know? But when we you know his true and sweet quality, they have a song, they say, Krishna is so sweet, everything, his smile is sweet, his voice is sweet. When you hear that, it means that, you know, flowing emotion. You oh, me get to know this person. Mm. Know? so that's what we want to do. Because uh, surrender, when you hear surrender, you think like, oh, surrender. You know, I'm going to be under this person. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you know who the person is, yes, I want to be under this person. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important to tell them who Krishna is. Surrender. When you when you hear the term surrender, they go, all right, I will surrender, but let me know who this person is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we do. You know. Tell them more of the Krishna. Yeah. Many people they say they come first to the temple, they don't to see the deepies. They see bright lights. They see all of that. Mm-hmm. And then you get to know who Krishna is, and it's <gasps> beautiful, you know, it's that scene. mm mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Because it, it's really true, right? Like Bhakti is personalism. It's radical personalism. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're not loving an idea. We're loving a person. We're loving two. We're loving two people. Oh. Two beautiful people who love us so very much. It starts with an idea because you're here. Yeah. But the relationship is so important. We can only have a relationship with a person. Yeah, yeah, not an idea. Yeah. I can't have a relationship with this. I can have a relationship with people, though. Thank you yeah. so much. Take turns. <laughs>
6: Thank you, Sukhita, for encouraging her to do this nice
0: class.
1: Oh, Yeah, it's nice.
6: And this is a little, this is a letter, Prabhupada, a quote from a letter from 68. It's about Japa, and it's about remembering and forgetting. And Prabhupada says, during Japa you say, My dear Krishna, please remind me to always chant your holy name. Please do not put me into forgetfulness. Mm. You're sitting within me, a super soul, so you can put me into forgetfulness or into remembering you. Please mm-hmm. do not put me into forgetfulness. Yes. Please always remind me to chant. Even if you send me to hell, it doesn't matter, just so long as I can always chant Hare Krishna. Yes, thank
3: Thanks you so the much class. for that.
6: Give more classes. You come <laughs> out once
3: a week and
2: get no. <laughs> a I'm sorry that uh, That may not be physically possible, but I will do my best as long as I can. But I I, I wanted to just reflect on that, because when when I became really, really ill, uh, the first time that I became really, really ill, the only thing that was helping me through it was to continue to chant. And um, I couldn't even hold my beads. Um, My husband can attest to that, and I would freak out because I couldn't count how many rounds I was doing, I didn't know I was getting through it, and he would, he's was, he was so amazing, and he would say, Krishna doesn't care, he doesn't care, he just wants you to chant, and I, and I did, and uh, yeah, and it, it was being able to not forget Krishna, in those moments are the most beautiful moments, so thank you for sharing. I'm so grateful that the class has animated so many of you to share. That, that's great. As a teacher, I know some of the hardest parts is when you give a class and then the students just stare back at you with like, just blank expressions, and they're like, I, "I don't know what to tell you, teacher." So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're, you're contagious. <laughs> but not COVID. <laughs> I don't
7: have COVID. <laughs> I appreciate So, um, as I said before, I had my own comment, but I was previously responding to Bhadra, but um, I really appreciate your reading that passage from Vishaka's book. And uh, especially, I was struck by her um, amazing attitude that we can have affectionate, well-wishing, even for someone who's acting with with an inimical attitude towards us. So that's probably one of the most difficult things, particularly among, say, devotees. It's easier to be kind to someone who's really ignorant. Mm -hmm. But um, can you give any advice or reflections on Krishna.
2: You know, uh, my name's Damodar Priya Devadasi, right? So as you may have guessed, my guru gave me that name because I love baby Krishna. And I just love how baby Krishna is so mischievous. And he always will bring up something for what I'm being challenged with. So you're asking this question, and I can totally see baby Krishna behind you going... <laughs> because that's something that I'm working on right now. So uh, <laughs> my my husband and I, we, uh, by Krishna's mercy, we bought our first home and hopefully our forever home here in Alachua. Uh, we're both in our 40s, so... Uh, and we were so excited to have this home to have our deities there and to be so close to the temple and, uh, and then Krishna brings in the challenge of our neighbors and our neighbors not all of them but our closest neighbors they uh, partake of substances that the smell goes in the air so sometimes you go outside and you can smell it I, I don't think I need to elaborate I'm sure you know what I'm talking about um, they partake of other activities Which can be really difficult To be right next door to And I feel like uh, Krishna is doing this To really make me practice What you're asking In terms of like How can I be compassionate uh, When others are doing things That I feel like This is bothering me Right? And again I'm not trying to negate It, it is bothering me Like you don't want to negate That it is bothering you At the same time Um uh, at the same time, I, and this is also perfect into the question of like, how do you know how much you do and how much you like Krishna do? So this is also going to your question. There comes a certain point where, you know, I reported things to authorities. I've spoken to who I need to speak to. Nothing's happening through that. We've, uh, we've offered these neighbors prasadam. Obviously, they don't know, but we've given it to them. We had, uh, we've done that, you know, and nothing's happening nothing's changing right so we've done our part and i and finally i was just getting so, so frustrated and uh i have been I, I would ask this question during shirva bhagatan classes i would ask my spiritual teacher and then finally it was like you know it's uh it's up to krishna now right so what have we started doing we i remind myself when we're passing by the fence um we we sing Hari krishna we sing Hari krishna we don't know if it's gonna make a difference but we sing Hari krishna um, when, I, when I'm doing meditations in home, I uh, did a meditation and in the meditation, I sometimes you know, get like little images from Krishna where he wants me to work on stuff and in the meditation, he showed me our neighbors and him hugging our neighbors and he showed me him in the heart of our neighbors, hugging their heart within their heart and uh, it didn't get any clearer than that I really got what he was saying that um, he loves them just as much as he loves me and he loves the living beings over there whether they're in dog bodies or human bodies and um, that for me to offer that love and instead of being like oh you know like, I'm so annoyed with them instead offer them the maha mantra offer them the love that Krishna is already offering them And and he's going to work at his timetable. It's not up to me. And then I've been reading the Gita first thing in the morning to kind of really get those messages from Sri Aparapad and Gita first thing. And one of the messages that I got this week was uh, Krishna will give someone what they deserve, not necessarily what they covet. So this is what we deserve. Sometimes we deserve... And again, I'm not saying that this is another caveat. We don't deserve abuse, right? So we don't deserve abuse because we, when somebody abuses somebody, you know, they're, they're creating Vaishnava aparad, right? So we don't want to enable that. We don't want to enable that. At the same time, when things are not going our way, it's important for us to recognize that there's a reason behind it. And I've seen that our neighbors are working, that Krishna is working through our neighbors. Right, because I would not be chanting the Mahamantra passing through, passing by the fence that adjoins our properties if it weren't for that happening. Right, um, I wouldn't have felt this burning need to read the Bhagavad Gita first thing in the morning, and even before I do job, if it weren't for my neighbors. Right, so I don't know if this answers your question, but that's my realization of it. <laughs> Thank you very much, yeah. Baby Krishna. Oh, sure. Do you mind if I just put my legs out, though, because... <sighs>
8: um, you know, we used to distribute books at the airport, mm-hmm. and, um, oh, stuff there. And, um, there was one man at the airport, he was a manager, and he was very in the powers the galaxy, mm-hmm. early, early uh, 70s. So, um, he, for some reason, he was always picking on me. So there were many of us so like twenty devotees uh-huh. distributing books and every time I'll go by he said, he'll say something, Don't take the books, don't take the books and then when we went to take for shot and he said, Oh, I bet you have the best of food and and I you know, I, I was new so I was just saying, Yeah, sure, we have nice would you like some? And he was you know, he was shocked. And this went on for many, many weeks, I like, think, you know, uh-huh. maybe months. And then I always said, sure, here we're taking Prashadam at one o'clock, would you like to come? I would take lunch. And he would be always amazed that I was, you know, not getting agitated. So um, he was always breaking, we used to say, break up our sales." So one day I was sitting down taking Prashadam, and he came by, and we had, you know, of course we had a really nice Prashadam. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> and then he said, um, he so said, "What do you have today?" And I said, "We have sandwiches and we have a nice sweet which is barbecue sandwich or mm-hmm. something." And he said, um, "He said, let me see uh, what it is." So I showed him, and he took something. I, don't, I he didn't need to do; he took it. So I figured he probably threw it out. But uh-huh. this went down. So next day came, or next a few days, he ended up being one of the best persons, you know. So people sometimes, wow. yeah, patience, patience. Mm-hmm. You know, I never, I never, you know. Um, Criticize I never said anything. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. tolerated whatever he yeah. said. But like I said, for some reason, he was always speaking he let the other devotees alone. Mm-hmm. And then, so one day, um, finally, he just took my entire sandwich and all the sweets and he sat there and he ate everything. Wow. And I thought, Krishna works in amazing ways. Yes. You know? oh, yes. And then after that, when people will pass by, he said, Take the book. it everywhere. <laughs> take the book, take the book. <laughs> he said, he, said, she has, he has to be a good book. She's <laughs> a good person, you know. So sometimes patience, Krishna. You mm-hmm. know, probably want to get to this person's heart, you know. So mm-hmm. my thing was just to tolerate, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I went back one time to the airport. We weren't doing that anymore. And he said, "You're not coming here anymore." <laughs> so we can make friends sometimes, just by. Our I wouldn't say behavior, but just that. No, intolerant. I agree.
2: I agree. And thank you for sharing that because one of my favorite stories, so your god sister, Rukmini Waka Prabhu, always shares the story of one of your god brothers, um, Adi Purusha Prabhu, uh, who's in New York, distributing prasadam to uh, the homeless and to people in New York City. And she always shares the story about how he asked Prabhupada, like, Prabhupada, what service can I do for you? What, what can I do? And then Prabhupada said, um, you could do what I cannot do. You can go where I cannot go. And how Prabhupada was just, and uh, how A- Adhikrish was like, uh, where is that? Because you've been all over the world. And Prabhupada said, to the future, and by how you treat the people there, they will know how much Krishna loves you. How Krishna loves them, sorry. Right? So I think that beautifully illustrates that, and I think that's a great story to finish on. So thank you so much. I really appreciate all of you so, so very much. Thank you. Haribo.